I'm Daniel Fisbicki. I'm Dave Zuliger. And this is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.church forward slash location forward slash south dash campus. Today we've got Chris Bruno with us. Chris, welcome. Thanks. It's good to be with you guys. So Chris and I graduated from the same school a decade apart, perhaps. What, what year did you graduate from Northland? Uh, 2001. If you're not familiar, a little context for this question before I pose it to Chris. If you're not familiar with uh, this little school about an hour and a half north of Green Bay, it probably was of the uh, similar to like a Bob Jones kind of school, so a Baptist fundamentalist in some ways. So there are lots of rules, lots of regulations. How, how big was the, uh, the student handbook? When you were there, Chris, was it? You know, I don't remember. Is that mainly because you didn't read it? Is that? Uh, I'm sure that... I gave it some attention. Yeah, I'm sure you did at uh, one point. So I have two questions. First, Chris, for you as a student, and then later you came back to Northland as a teacher. So first, as a student, um, did you stay on campus very often when you were at Northland? Were you away from the campus a fair bit? Uh, what What did you do on your weekends and other times when you weren't at Northland? Yeah, well, I think enough water has gone under the bridge. I, I, every weekend, at least my last couple of years, I, I got a campus, off-campus pass or whatever we call off-campus it. off-campus pass. Yes, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. So I, I was off-campus for the weekend, which in my mind meant I was no longer under the handbook in quite the same way. So it allowed okay. me to do things like listen to rock and roll music. With a and, beat? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Okay. Attend the movie theater and things like you that. Went to see movies while you were at Northland. Yeah, I, I didn't to, do that. Well, until... I won't say why. Yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, I did <laughs> that, that the day I graduated, so I was no longer under that. When, yeah. when saw the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek came out that oh, same weekend. Nice. Um, where, where did you go? Was there any like uh, residences that you went to in your last couple of years at Northland? Well, I, I went to my now in-laws. Your now in-laws. Yeah. Why did you go to your now in-laws? Well, house? I was dating their daughter. And mm. then engaged to their daughter, and now married to their daughter. Okay. So okay. we would spend time hanging out over there, and I had a good friend whose uh, dad was a professor uh, at Northland. So that, that's where I would check out to. I, was, I would go to his house, and then I'd hang out at my girlfriend slash fiance's house, and then uh, still sleep at, at my friend's house, but uh, I'd roll in there okay. about whatever. Okay. The, the Patses weren't okay with you sleeping at their house. Well, while dating, fiance. No, that probably wasn't the best okay. idea. All right, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right, so fast forward a number of years, about 14 years later, you came back to Northland as a teacher in your intermediate time before eventually ending up at Bethlehem. And I am told that you had a celebrity doppelganger that students <laughs> thought that you looked intensely like. Oh, yeah? Yeah, who, who was that, Chris? Well, let, let me preface it with this story. Uh, when I was in seminary, I think I see it now that I'm looking at you. <laughs> when I was in seminary, um, I was a member at Clifton Baptist Church, where Tom Schreiner was the preaching pastor at the time. He's also a professor at Southern Seminary, and his daughter Anna, who just got married this past weekend, told me she was like in elementary school or junior high. She told came up to me and said, "You look like Will Ferrell." Will Ferrell. <laughs> That's not what I saw. That's not what I saw. I, I don't see it. Uh, and we're good friends with their family to this day, and we, t- despite that, despite that, yeah. and so okay. we we laughed about that with Anna recently. Um, the students at Northland said I look like Bradley Cooper. Uh huh. Right? That's the one. I think yep. it's the nose. 
probably it's got the, the same eyes, kind of nose. The radiant it? eyes. Yeah, the yeah. That, makes, <laughs> that makes me a little uncomfortable, but <laughs> the intense eyes. So we have Bradley Cooper here with us today to talk about uh, the Bible storyline. <laughs> The, so the poor man's Bradley Cooper. The poor man's <laughs> discount Bradley Cooper. That's right. Um, so uh, Chris has written a number of books, including 16 words that summarize the entire storyline of the Bible, 16 Something verses, like the entire storyline of the Bible in 16 words, 16 verses, two different books. So Chris, uh, as somebody who thinks about and talks about the story of the Bible, why is that important that we think about the Bible as a story? And is that something that the church has always thought? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it is important to think of the Bible as a story because the Bible does tell a story, right? I mean, if you, it's not a story in the sense of a modern-day novel or something like that. But if you go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 and 22, you, that, that's a story, right, of creation, fall, redemption, new creation, which I, maybe we'll come back to that in a few minutes. So the, the story of the Bible is the story of God and his people and his great plan for redemption. So fundamentally, that, that story is important because that's how God has designed the world to work. We live in the midst of a great story. So every time we in, encounter a compelling story, I, I think the best stories echo in some way this great story of the Bible. So, example, my son, Simon, uh, was just baptized by Daniel uh, a few days ago, this past Sunday. And part of his testimony uh, included the Lord of the Rings and how God used Tolkien's story to stir his heart toward Jesus. Um, so some people might hear that and say, well, Lord of the Rings is not the Bible. How can you say that that? you know, was a, a means of grace or something in the life of your son. So on the one hand, I would say, yes, it's not the Bible. I don't want to give that impression at all. But God uses that common grace of a story to call us in and to help us see how the world works. So that the best stories uh, are faint echoes and sometimes not so faint echoes of the great story of redemption. So we're designed to live in the midst of a story. We orient our lives in in story form so often. We that, but The problem is we often misconstrue the story and we think of ourselves as the hero of a story or something like that. But the, the fundamental concept of the Bible tells a story that our lives intersect with uh, is, I think, essential for understanding how the, the scriptures fit together. So... Chris, give me, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. Are there any other stories out there that you think are distant or maybe not so distant echoes of the best story? And uh, just give me one more. You got one more, and then I'll, I'll add Dave in here too, because Dave just wants to sit in the corner and just have Chris answer all the questions. <laughs> we don't do that here, Dave. You got to be brought into this. So, any other stories? Any other. Fictional stories that are like that. Yeah, I'm trying not to be cliche here. Just do it. Just, just do it. it. I know what the other one's going to be. <laughs> because, well, I can. I can there, there's the, the Christian one of Narnia, but then uh, Harry Potter, 
right? Yeah. Is that what you're thinking it was going to be? Yeah, I mean, those are kind of the two that are often mentioned the most. Yeah, I mean, those tell a story of, a, well, spoiler alert, of, of people who lay down their lives for the sake of their friends and are brought back in some form or fashion. So th- those are almost more direct echoes, of, yeah. right? I mean, th- those are obviously Christian influence. Lewis, yeah, well, C.S. Lewis and G.K. Rowling both said explicitly right. that they're set up um, to echo that story. So n- right. not, a, not an accident, but yeah. explicit. Yeah, and, and, but you, you have, I mean, compelling stories have those kind of themes. So A Tale of Two Cities by Dickens. At the end, there's this, there, there's a, a sacrifice, you know, in, uh, in, an innocent man is going to be put to death, and at the last minute, somebody steps in and takes his place. So it's it's not exactly a complete, you know, straight line to the gospel, but this idea of laying down your life for the sake of others, uh, laying down your life for things you did not do, uh, th- these are echoed in a lot of stories. Um, and, and, and so I, I and. The idea of self-sacrifice for the good of others, right? That, that, that's almost just like we just assume that that's a, a moral good. Where Where is that rooted in? Why is that a good thing? Well, it's because that echoes the great story of the gospel. Good, good. So, Dave, do you want me to pose that same question to you, or do you want a more theological question? I guess it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'll, I'm going to ask both then. I'll say, you, I'll say yeah. one. I'll say one. Our family's favorite um, that's very similar to Narnia is just the, the Wingfeather saga. Yeah. yeah. It's been uh, so good. My, uh, my daughter, especially Iris, is a reader, and she's connected with that one, I'd say, even a little bit more than Narnia. Yeah. For whatever reason, but it's just another, another echo. But, I mean, Chris is right. Every, every great movie, th- there's, some, uh, there's some conflict that it seems like it takes some kind of self-sacrifice. Someone has to put themselves on the line to, to save the day. And we long for that. You know, we, we love that. It could be, it could be a, you know, a mom with her kids. It could be a, could be a, a husband uh, jumping in front of a train to save someone. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but we long for that kind of self-giving love that, that's needed to win the day. We recognize that there's other people who can't, help themselves who need someone to lay down their life to win the day. I think I think Chris is right. I think we love that because we're we're made to live in this story. So Dave, are there theological underpinnings here about um, so Bible as story? Is that just something that like, you know, a thousand years after Jesus came, everybody was like, oh, this seems to be a cohesive story. Or is it something that earlier Christians recognized? Is there theological underpinnings that help us say, wait, this is one thing by many different authors? Anything in particular come to mind? Yeah, I mean, well, there's a bunch of different ways to answer that, right? I mean, there's a bunch of, we, we could talk about how the, even how the Bible's arranged um, as far as the, the, the different kind of seams that hold it together. We could, we could go into um, genealogies. In the way that they're meant to hold the Bible together uh, through the Old and New Testaments, we could talk about the covenants and walk through those. I mean, one of my favorite places to go when I'm making this case for people that they ought to see the Bible as one cohesive story is John 5:39. You know, so Jesus is talking to these these guys, and he says, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness 
about me, that you refuse to come to me that you may have life. His point there is, you can read the Bible all you want. If you don't, if you don't get what it's all leading to and what's all flowing out of, if you don't get that it's all, like Chris said, this story of God's redemption of his people, echoes and shadows in the Old Testament, and then fulfillment in Christ, and then kind of the overflow of that in the church until the new creation, you're going to miss it. And I, and I think... I think what the other thing Chris said really well is that it does help us orient ourselves uh, in our own lives. So what does it mean? Because we could say we're part of this big story. What does it mean to live in, in this big story? I think it means to know Jesus and then follow Jesus. And so it's uh, to, to not to not sit and go, what it means to, to be a part of the story is just to, to know it really well, to just think about it really well, but to really know him and follow him, yeah. you know, moment by moment, I think is how we get lost in the story in a yeah. good way too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also like Luke 24, 44. Mm-hmm. This is Jesus' words to the disciples before the ascension narrative in Luke. Um, he said to them, these are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Why are those three law of Moses, prophets, Psalms, why are those significant? Why? Is that just an offhand comment? Well, it's talking about the whole Old Testament, right? Yeah. So that's a way of talking about all parts of the Old Testament. Law, prophets, uh, psalms, or the, the way it's put elsewhere in the New Testament and in other first century Jewish documents is law, prophets, writings, right? So you have those three components. He's saying the whole thing points to me uh, from Genesis to Malachi or if you follow the, the Jewish order from Genesis to Second Chronicles, yeah. the whole yeah. Testament mm-hmm. points to Jesus. Yeah. So, um, and perhaps we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. The whole New Testament talks about, it's a really great um, series, two-volume two series of books by a guy named Mark Dever called Old Testament Promises Made, New Testament Promises Kept. Um, which is, I think, a really great good. Uh, picture of what's going on. It's all about one thing. Uh, apart from Mark Dever, Chris, mm-hmm. is there anybody today that uh, maybe theologically or just in their writings that's really focused on story and maybe revived it yeah. a bit? Yeah. Well, can, before we go there, can I just say that this is not anything new. That, yeah. was, that was part of your question. Mm-hmm. That we didn't get to it. I mean, if you go back to the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed tells a story, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Virgin Mary, uh, uh, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. Uh, he's coming again. A third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. In that creed, what you have the whole story of redemption from creation to redemption focused on the redemption uh, accomplished in and through Jesus. So it's not as if uh, this tracing of the whole story of the Bible is something that's come Brand about new. in the yeah. last 50 yep. or 100 yep. years. So Christians have always uh, put together their Bibles in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody recently that has really shown a new light on that, maybe particularly in our circles? 
Well, it depends on how you define our circles. <laughs> let's let's draw it a bit broader. So, uh, well, I mean, we Protestants. Yeah, Protestants. Okay. One name that uh, comes to to mind for better or for worse is uh, N.T. Wright. So, I, I I don't know who listens to this podcast. South Campus uh, people. And apparently two people outside of Paris, France, and a number of people in Wisconsin okay. and in New York City, believe it or not. But keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, N.T. Wright has a lot of helpful things to say. He has some, you know, I'll put the necessary qualifier about his stuff on justification, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he has helped me and I think others kind of reorient themselves to reading the Bible, reading the Bible, a Bible, the Bible, as a story, um, a story about God's great work of redemption through Israel, namely the true Israel, Jesus. So some of his book on Jesus, Jesus and the victory of God is really solid uh, overall. So I would I would recommend that uh, if somebody wants to read a I don't know 600 page whatever it is book on <laughs> Jesus uh, and how Jesus fulfills the hopes of Israel and points forward to the church. Um, he, he that was written in 1996 I think. Yep. I read it when I was in seminary and it really helped uh, orient me towards some of these things. Obviously, N.T. Wright's not not the only one. There are many others. Uh, even somebody like um, a Greg Beal, mm-hmm. yep. so teaches at Westminster Seminary. He was at Wheaton College and Wheaton College Graduate School when I was doing my doctoral work. Um, Greg Beal does a great job of tracing uh, the unfolding story of Scripture. His book on the temple, I know, has been helpful mm-hmm. for many. Uh, another thick book. <laughs> but uh, tra- traces that, that basically we could, we could call it the, the story of God's presence with his people mm-hmm. from the garden mm-hmm. to the new creation, mm-hmm. really focused on this temple theme and how it's woven throughout the story of Scripture. So really when we, when we uh, the idea of the Bible as story and what we call biblical theology are closely linked up yep, that's right. in my mind. So this kind of renaissance of biblical theology yep. in conservative evangelicalism over the last 50 years, I think has been really helpful to tie people back into the story of yep. Scripture. Yep. So when you use the adjective biblical and apply it to theology, just yep. to be clear for yep. those that are listening, um, when theologians talk about biblical theology, it's often in contrast not to unbiblical theology, but to systematic theology. Could you explain a little bit of the difference then in that spectrum, biblical yeah. and systematic theology? Yeah, that, that's a helpful distinction to make. So we, we when I say biblical theology, I, I'm, I'm not simply talking about theology that is faithful to the Bible. So hopefully all of our theology and theological thinking is biblical in that sense. But the specific discipline of biblical theology um, is designed to trace out both the storyline and the unfolding themes of Scripture as they're progressively revealed throughout the Bible. So the, the way I sometimes talk about it is systematic theology tends to, to gather what the Bible says about particular themes, topics, uh, sync it up with philosophy, 
and do some apologetic things and even some ethical things. Whereas systematic, or excuse me, whereas biblical theology is intended to trace out key themes in the overall story of the Bible as it's progressively revealed. So you're trying to track with the symbols. I think Jim Hamilton talks about the, what does he say? The storyline and symbols and something else of the Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Another S word. Yeah. So you've mentioned two people so far, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, an Anglican. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned Greg Beale, a Presbyterian. Um, talk to me, I mean, are there Baptists that write about the storyline of the Bible besides Chris Bruno? Yeah, well, I just mentioned Jim Hamilton. He's another Baptist. Oh, yes, that's true. That's Jim Hamilton's good, yeah. Um, yeah, there, I, I think there are a lot of Baptists who are doing good biblical theology. Tom Schreiner, mm-hmm. who I mentioned earlier, uh, yeah, you've been an elder at Bethlehem in a long time yeah, ago in a galaxy yeah, far, far away. Twenty-five years ago, right? Um, Tom Schreiner, who's a professor at Southern Seminary in Louisville, he wrote a book. What well, he wrote a few books. Uh, his book, uh, <laughs> "The King and His Beauty," yep. is tracing out the unfolding story of Scripture, mm-hmm. kind of through a canonical lens. Um, so he has helped me a lot, both as a professor and as a pastor, to see. The centrality of Jesus in the scriptures. Uh, we could point to D.A. Carson, mm-hmm. who is, I guess he's part of the Evangelical Free Church, but he's a Baptist, right? He, I mean, he believes in believers' baptism and all that uh, kind of Baptist ecclesiology, I think. Um, so Schreiner and Beale, and then I'll throw Doug Moo into there as well, yep. who has a is also Baptistic. Uh, th- those three men probably. The leading among the leading New Testament, uh, at least evangelical New Testament scholars, all three of them are Baptistic, and they've done a lot of great work helping us see the centrality of Jesus, the unfolding story of Scripture. So yeah, Baptists do good biblical theology. Yeah, yeah good. One uh, one particular series that I think is really accessible, compelling, at least all the books that I've read in it are easy reads. Um, is uh, the short studies in biblical theology. I think there's 11 or 12 volumes now. They're all small, 100 pages, less. Um, I own several of them. Happy for anybody to stop by the office and uh, pick up, borrow one. I might have a few to give away as well, but just punch that into a Google search string, short studies in biblical theology, and get a quick sense of the kinds of things that Chris is talking about, taking a theme and tracing it throughout the scriptures. So guys, we've talked about it. Now, in five minutes, this can be a challenge. I want Chris and Dave to do this together. No participants. Not a participant sport, right, Dave? Uh, In five minutes, what's the storyline of the Bible? Chris kind of alluded to it at the beginning of our time, but how are are you going to break down the storyline of the Bible? How are you? Go! How how do we do this together in five minutes? Creation. (laughs) Fall. Redemption. Consummation. That's good. One, 30 seconds. Take, take those one at a time. Dave, let's just talk about creation. Yeah, I mean, God God created. I mean, that's that's fundamental to everything we believe, that, that God created all we see. And, and Chris has said it a bunch of times, but he created it with purposes in mind. It's, it's going somewhere from the very beginning. And so... Uh, and, and within within all these, there's these these covenants, right? So in creation, you can have what we call the covenant of works, or or whatever you want to call it, that that Adam and Eve 
uh, failed at. And then because of their failure and sin, you kind of move to the, the covenant with Noah, where, where God promises to not destroy the world again, which is a covenant that we're still living under. He's, he's still keeping that promise. And so that, when we're talking about creation, that's what we're talking about, that God has created it and it's all headed somewhere. Talk about the fall, Chris. Um, so building on creation then, God, God created human beings as his image bearers, right? And part of that is that they, they represent him in the world. They rule the creation on his, his behalf and they submit to his kingly rule over them. So Adam and Eve failed in all those areas. They failed to submit to God's kingly rule, namely trusting that his word is good. As a result, they failed to care for the world uh, and expand his glory as he intended and as he commissioned them to there in Genesis 1. So in Genesis 3, we get that story, right? The, the serpent comes into the garden. He deceives both Eve and Adam uh, into doubting God's word. He distorts God's word. And Eve is deceived by the serpent. Adam is just standing by, I think, in Genesis 3, 6. Uh, the, it says that Eve gave some of the fruit to her husband who was with her. So I, I think that that's a signal that Adam is there. So Adam failed to lead as he ought to. He failed to protect both his wife and the creation from the destructive influence of the serpent. And so because of that, sin and death entered into the world. And we all, as Adam's descendants, uh, share in that sin and its consequences. We're, we're, because both by nature and by choice, right? And we don't need to, to delve too deeply into that. But all of the world and every person born since then, save one, is guilty. Guilty of turning their back on God's kingly rule over them, guilty of uh, defying God's commands, guilty of sin. So sin enters the world and fractures this good creation, fractures the relationship between human beings and their good God, mm -hmm. and there needs to be a solution to this problem that sin has introduced. And that's what redemption is in creation, fall, redemption. Talk about redemption, Dave. Chris left me a lot of uh, a lot of lines there to fo to follow, um, but we can talk about it. I mean, the way Chris just did is that the, the shalom of the world has been broken, this peace that we have with God, uh, the worship of God, the obedience to God, and and what the Bible does. The rest of the story is is look for the new Adam, this promised offspring that that God promises in Genesis 3. So Genesis 3 is the fall, but there's also this promise given that an offspring is coming, he's going to crush the serpent's head. And so if you, I mean, you, you even, you get right to Genesis uh, 4, and you see Eve right away, I've gotten a man. You know, she's, I'm, is this the one? Is he, he the one that's going to crush the serpent? And unfortunately, uh, it didn't happen that fast. And the rest of the, the rest of the Bible is, 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 looking for this promised one. And, and in the meantime, um, one of my favorite ways to look at biblical theology is God with us. Um, that God is always finding ways to be with his people. Uh, so there's an old covenant where he, he does it through sacrifice and a temple and a tabernacle. Um, and that storyline uh, works its way all up until Jesus comes 
And that, and you, you find in Matthew this genealogy that's showing that this line again, Jesus comes born of a virgin, uh, without sin, without this corrupted nature. He he comes and he lives the life we could never live. He dies the death we deserve to die, and he is he's the new Adam. He's our new covenant head, in whom we find peace with God that's been missing since the peace has been broken, and then the promised Holy Spirit, uh, who begins to remake us into the image of God and be able to actually, like Chris said, uh, not only is the relationship restored, but our ability to uh, bring about uh, the kingdom, to, to walk in new holiness and new obedience and make disciples uh, now is, is given back to us. And we're, we're not perfect. Uh, Chris will talk about when that happens in a minute, but, but there's a real obedience and a real empowering to not only have a relationship restored, but to be able to be a part of being image bearers that expand his kingdom for the sake of his name. Okay. So Chris, then that leads to a consummation. What's the consummation the Bible speaks about? Yeah, well, redemption will be completed, right? Everything that Dave just talked about will reach its intended goal in the new creation. So I'm looking at Isaiah 42. Um, in faithfulness, he, the servant, Jesus, will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. So he will establish justice on earth. It's sure. And then the last line there, in his teaching, the islands will put their hope. There's a specific application for that in my own life and ministry, but we don't have to go here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, nice try. That's all this podcast is about. Hawaii. You can talk to me later about that. But the, the point is, he will establish justice on the earth. Mm-hmm. He will make all things new. So we, we see the great uh, vision of that consummation in Revelation 21. When the Lord returns, the Lord Jesus returns, he makes all things new. The new creation is established. Heaven comes down to earth. All things are renewed. So these, these purposes of creation that we talked about that just a minute ago are fulfilled. Ultimately, when God is dwelling with his people forever. So that, that's a thread that runs through all of this, that God will dwell with his people. He will be their God and everyone who is united to Jesus will be with him as his people forever and ever. And God's great purposes of both creation and redemption will see their intended uh, goal accomplished. Amen. Amen. So that's the storyline of the Bible, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. It's not just a story of um, individual salvation, although it is in Jesus. That's the gospel that we believe. It's also good news, gospel for all of creation. Mm -hmm. Um, Fit into those four categories. So as we're closing, Chris, you wrote two books, one called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses, and then another called The Whole Story, Message of the Bible. Whole Message of the Bible, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Whole Message of the Bible in 16 Words. Yeah. Uh, I commend both of those as really good and easy reads, despite your advocacy for the Michigan Wolverines against my Ohio State Buckeyes and a couple of illustrations. Both are bad choices. Uh, just not, you don't need to have a dog in this fight, Dave. Um, Chris, are there other easy, accessible um, books, authors, maybe one or two that you would recommend for people that are listening just to like dive in to the storyline of the Bible? 
Yeah, well, you mentioned one already, the series called the uh, Short Studies in Biblical Theology that Crossway has put out. Um, IVP is doing a similar series called Essential Studies in Biblical Theology. So I would commend both of those series as helpful. Um, if you're looking for individual books, uh, two that have really helped me um, that are maybe just a, a touch longer than the things I've written. Uh, one is called um, According to Plan, uh, helpful just overline of the redemptive uh, story of the Bible and the way that it all fits together in and through Jesus. Graham Goldsworthy, According to Plan, Vaughn Roberts, God's Big Picture, both really helpful summaries of the story of Scripture and how it all fits to get together in and through Jesus. Chris, thanks for coming and being on the uh, podcast today. We'll have to have you back again to yeah. hear more about Northland and uh, continue <laughs> to inquire about storyline. Next week's, uh, the, the two podcasts that are going to be released after this one, we're going to be talking with Nick Rowan more about the storyline of the Bible and particularly thinking about the covenants we see in Scripture. Thanks for joining us today.